0: Let's give our band just another round of applause for, man. They said, speak the name. Speak the name. Oh, I'm telling you. Listen, don't don't encourage me. Don't encourage me. It wouldn't be good for none of us. No good for none So we're beginning a new sermon series around the word glory. And we always talk about it or you hear those words in the song and the scriptures as we go throughout this Advent season. So we wanted to take just a few weeks just to unpack what we mean by glory and how we might live it, understand it, and maybe even experience it uh, in new ways uh, during this time uh, of our faith journeys as well. So let me just start off with a word of prayer. God, we speak the name of Jesus. Because when we say your name, there's comfort, there's peace, there's joy. It is a reminder that there is a God who is with us. It is a reminder about the God that is active in our lives. So we speak the name of Jesus. In the midst of all that we're going through, all that we've seen, all that we've experienced, we speak the name of Jesus. We speak the name of Jesus for ourselves, but we speak the name of Jesus for the people on our rolls, the people in this community, the people around the world. We speak the name of Jesus. We speak the name of Jesus because when the word goes out, it shall not come back void. So be with us now as we speak the name of Jesus. In your name we pray, amen, amen. I simply want to talk to you on on, on the theme this morning, up close and personal, up close and personal. So um, parents, I'm gonna get us into a little bit of trouble but I'm gonna give you enough wiggle room so that you'll be able to recover later. So I'm giving, I'm, giving, I'm giving you time. You'll you know what I'm talking about in a minute, but I'm giving you time. I'm setting it up, so you, you may have to answer some questions later, but I've got kids, so I know what they'll ask, but you, again, I'm giving you, somebody say leeway. I'm giving you leeway. When was the first time you learned that certain aspects about Christmas were up for debate? I told you I'm giving you leeway. I'm giving giving you leeway. Do you remember how old you were? Do you remember who you debated with? Do you remember what you debated about? Now, maybe it wasn't around Christmas, but maybe it was involving something else. How did you feel when you found out that certain things in your life didn't always add up? Did it feel like a disappointment or letdown? How did it affect you? I mean, let's face it, regardless of where you are coming from this morning on this faith journey, all of us have been there before when things in our lives needed to be debated. What's often not talked about is the transformation that happens when we learn that something is real, I mean we don't we don't really talk about it that much the moment that we realize that what we believed in was actually real. Maybe it was friendship or forgiveness, or when we experienced love or peace or joy, it was a reminder that, wow, this is, this is really real, that things are starting to add up. And we don't talk about the joy and the hope and sometimes the life-altering experience when we thought something was true and it actually was. I mean, it's powerful. It can, it can be impactful. In fact, this gives us an entry point into John chapter 1 verse 14 because it gives us insight into something becoming real or being made flesh or experienced in a new way. In fact, this is a turning point between the relationship between God and humanity. In fact, the writer describes the coming of Christ into this new world as seeing the glory of God. In the form of Jesus Christ, God becomes real in a way humanity has yet to experience, and glory was the evidence. So we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about glory and unpacking it, but if I gave you each an opportunity to describe glory, we would all have very different definitions. In fact, so let's start off with this definition. Glory is the visible manifestation of the present or the attributes of God. It is is how we describe God. God is love. God is joy. God is peace. God is hope. It is the attributes of God made visible in our lives. It's not just talking about godly things, but it's seeing it. It's experiencing what we think is true about God. It's when we say that God is love. It's seeing it when we say that God is kind. It is experiencing the visible manifestation of the presence or the attributes of God. That is God's glory. And this might pose as a challenge to some of us because God shows up differently in different seasons of our lives. The way that God decides to be visible and to manifest these attributes in our lives is not always the same in every season of our lives. In fact, some of you experience this reality regularly during the holiday seasons because when you see people or when they show up, they don't always look the same as they did the year before. In fact, coming home to Detroit, Uh, This past Thanksgiving, uh, it seemed like every year people change just a little bit. The younger brother had grew his hair out and had a goatee and a full-time job and was six foot three. He was not the same little guy he was the last time I saw him. Another family member had a new love interest again. Another one had brand new puppies. My nephew now had two kids of his own. I mean, people just changed just a little bit. They showed up just a little bit differently than they did last year. I mean, people are always commenting, or how tall my kids are growing and then some rude person always makes a comment about how I have more gray uh, this year than I did last year, but shame the devil, the devil is a liar, right? I mean, we, we always show up differently than we did before. Why? Because experiencing God's glory requires me to be open to the different ways that God might show up in my life and in the world. It is giving God an opportunity Opportunity to show up a little bit differently than the way that we're used to always, God showing up in different seasons of our lives. Now, this is not the first time the glory was used to describe God because God has always showed up differently depending on where the people were in their lives. And you see that right in Exodus 33. In fact, Moses was so bold in Exodus 33, Moses says, God, I want to see your glory. God responded in the Caldwell Gross translation. God says, hey, listen, Moses, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you, but you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Sometimes God is like really dramatic and so like over, over the top, right? Nobody can see my face and live. In fact, in fact, Moses, when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft in the rock and cover you uh, with my hand until I pass by, and then I will remove my hand and then you will see my back, but you will not see my face. Is this as uncomfortable for you as it is for me? Right? Moses Moses says, God, let me see you. And God in such a dramatic way says, absolutely. <laughs> that is not the response I expect for it to get from God when I ask to see God's glory. I mean, imagine coming to church every Sunday. Imagine coming to church every Sunday expecting to hear a word from God, and you get somebody's backside. Imagine coming to the Christmas concert and seeing all the musicians and seeing all of the singers and all of the time they turn their back towards you. Do you feel the disconnect? Do you feel the fact that it's not necessarily as personal as it can be? Why? Even though you might hear the voice and hear the message and be inspired, there's something different When you see somebody's face, Moses says, God, I want to see your glory. And God shows him this. I think that's so difficult in some ways because because in one section, God is saying you cannot see my face, that you'll you'll only see my backside. It's almost as though God is saying you can see me, but not all of me. It's like God is making a conscious decision to remain a mystery, to reveal only so much. And then when we get to this time of the year, we celebrate the fact that Jesus shows up in the form of Jesus Christ we see a face we hear a voice we get a name we see this God that makes a very different decision to reveal more of God's self so what does this say about God in some ways God is taking off the veil God is becoming more transparent God is showing us God's true nature this is what it this is what God is revealing to each one of us and I think glory It's not just about showing us these perfect attributes, but it's not God saying, here's my highlight reel. But seeing God's glory is less about witnessing a divine highlight reel and more about showing God's complete self. I mean, God, God, God goes from showing God's backside to showing up in the form of Jesus Christ. And here we see glory. We see God unveiled. We experience the visible manifestation of God's presence in a more intimate way. Now, here's why this is going to be hard for some of us because now God is defining the terms of the relationship between God and humanity. Because now God is showing up unveiled and transparent and real with no false pretenses, no mask, no hiding, no mystery, showing God's true self. This is hard because for most of us, we're used to relationships that look like this. Because when we're like this, you only see what we want you to see. So when we show up to the job interview, we give you this. When we go out on a date, we get dressed up. And then we give you this. And then years later, we realize, who in the world are you? Sometimes we come to church. We dress up with smile on our faces. And the way that we approach God and even the way that we approach each other, it is not unmasked. It is not unveiled. It is not with transparency, but we approach some of our most significant relationships, only allowing people to see a certain amount of ourselves. That's when I come to realize that sometimes growing in faith It's not just doing a list of activities, but it is courageously showing God more of myself. Because if God steps out on a limb and reveals more of God's self, it's an invitation that in this divine relationship that we reveal more of ourselves to God unmasked, with no pretenses and unveiled. That's the challenging question us as God shows us God's glory. Can I come before God unveiled, transparent, real, with no false pretenses, no mask, no hiding, no mystery? Some of us have never revealed our true selves to anybody. The only thing that the world gets Somebody say back. back. But what if God's glory is challenging us to reveal more of ourselves, to draw closer to God? Because it not only challenges the way we experience glory, but it even challenges the way we understand it. Because normally when we talk about glory, it's often associated with someone that does something well. I mean, people who are highlighted in, in our culture, it's because they do one thing or a few things well, and when you see anybody that's good at something, uh, even though they might be naturally gifted, they, they, they had to work at it. I mean, when we assign glory, it's the people who have gone to the pinnacle of their profession, but it's because they had to work at it. In fact, I've been trying to keep up with the World Cup, and it's the first time I've seen some of these famous players actually play a game. And you see them on the tabloids, in the headline, uh, uh, Messi, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, right? And, and they were talking about how great he was and how many goals he scored. Then it was because of his training schedule. And so I tried to look up his training schedule just to see how good the guy was. And I realized after looking up his training schedule that I was wasting my life and wasting my time, that this guy had figured everything out. So can I give you his training schedule? Because these, because they were giving him so much glory. His training the starts at about six o'clock in the morning and he works out for about two to three hours and splits the time between doing conditioning and skill moves with the soccer ball. Now you all should be writing this regimen down. You, 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 you're looking at me, but I'm trying to give you the key to life. So, so, so he starts off at six o'clock in the morning. After he trains about two or three hours, he takes a nap. At 9.30, gets back up, eats a high-protein meal, works out for another two hours, watch it, and then takes another nap. After lunch, eats another high-protein meal, guess what? He takes another nap, eats another meal, goes to his evening obligations, has a little family time, gets in the pool around 10, and then goes to bed and takes a long what? The brother got the key to life. You make millions of dollars and you can sleep five naps a day. I'm doing it all wrong. (laughs) I'm doing it wrong because here's the catch. Here's the catch. Here's the catch. Regardless of how hard he trains, sooner or later his athletic skills would diminish. Somebody else will take the spotlight. Somebody else will take the glory. His glory will fade. It will erode. It's not sustainable because glory is normally this fleeting moment that people chase because we know deep down it doesn't last forever. Regardless of how good and great we are, the glory that we normally assign to people and sometimes even ourselves, it comes in moments and seasons. And then there's John chapter 1 that flies in the face of how we normally find and assign glory because we have seen, the text says we have seen his glory, but it does not list extensive list of accomplishments associated with glory. There's no highlights, there are no magical goals, there's no training schedules, there are no commentators talking about it. It's not even associated with a Jewish holiday. God's glory is unique because it is intrinsic. It's an inside job. It's not based on something God had to learn how to do or be. It wasn't determined on who was there and who was not there. It wasn't based on their interpretation of the events. Here are the implications. Here are the implications. God's glory is not seasonal. After we put up the Christmas trees, I can experience the glory. When everyone else is done singing Christmas carols, I can still experience it. In fact, that's why some of you keep up your Christmas decorations all year long. It's your way of trying to experience the glory of Christ. Remember, there were shepherds, people that were considered unclean and marginalized, experienced his glory. A caravan of pagans from the east experienced his glory. A young Jewish couple that was contemplating divorce from a normal family experienced his glory. A devout elderly couple that thought they were well beyond their years of bearing children experienced his glory. Even the angels from on high experienced his glory. What are you trying to say, Pastor? When we look at the diversity of people that experience the glory of God coming into the world, in some ways it doesn't just represent their different experiences, but I think it represents the variety of experiences we go through in our own lives because sometimes we feel angelic and other times we feel unclean. Sometimes I feel like I have a lot of gifts to bring. Other times I feel like the only thing I have to offer is myself. Sometimes we are devout, and at other times we're pagans. At any given time of our lives, we can represent any one of these people or characters because they exist in all of us. But it suggests to me that we can experience the glory of God in every season of our lives, and no one is excluded from experiencing God's glory. Because let's be honest, the text reminds us that most people missed it, they rejected it. God's glory, God's physical manifestation of God's presence and the manifestation of God's attributes was present among them, but they missed it and it happens to the best of us. But the good news is that experiencing God's glory is a daily invitation. It doesn't come and go. It's not like we miss a sale today and it won't come back until next year on Black Friday again, that's not, that's not how God operates. In fact, they would use a small word in the Old Testament that would describe God's presence. When the invisible was made visible, they would refer to it as God's Shekinah glory. For instance, when they were in the wilderness and God led them by cloud by the day, and, and a fire by night, they would refer to that as God's Shekinah glory. God was present among them. When God would fill their temples, it was described as God's Shekinah glory. All these visible manifestations of God would be described with that word, and the word simply meant one who dwells. Some translations would say one who takes up Residence. And here's why this brings hope, because it's suggesting that in coming into the world, there's more than just a divine visitation. It's more than just God being present situationally. This is more than just stopping by or passing through, but this is a decision for God to take up residence in our lives. This is not not us seeking to dwell with God, but this is God seeking to dwell with us. Now, let me show you the grace. Let me show you the grace that's displayed and a God that reveals God's Shekinah glory, one who dwells or takes up residence. Here's the grace. How many of you have ever hosted or was the guest or somebody's house during the holidays at one point in your life? Don't don't be ashamed. Yeah, there you go. Now, I want you to look at all these hands. Now, watch this. There are certain people that you love to visit, but you never stay there. (laughs) On the flip side, there are some people that you love to visit you, but their stay has an expiration date. I'm sorry if it's getting a little tense. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right? There, there are some people that you love to visit you, but they are not the kind of people that you want to live with you. In fact, I'll be honest. Can I confess to you? Can I confess to you? There are, there are, there are some people I love to visit. I love to go to their home. I love to eat their food and watch their TV and sit on their couch. I love it. I absolutely love it. But I pay attention to where they hang out my coat. I pay attention at the clock when it's time to go. I don't bring a change of clothes. Or I make sure that I have an exit strategy because there are some places I love to visit, but I'm not dwelling there and I'm not taking up residence because you don't just live or dwell with everyone that you visit, that you would never allow everyone who visited you to take up the residence in your life. In fact, in fact, let's make it plain. I want you to take out your car keys. Okay, you gotta be quick. I'm, I'm being timed. You gotta, you gotta, yeah, 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 yeah. Take out your car. Yeah, 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 take out your car. Somebody in traditional service had a phone they used for this. Okay. You got a phone for your car keys? Gus. All right. All right. All right. Now watch it. Now watch it. You got your keys. Watch this. You don't give your house keys or you don't give the keys to your residence to just anybody and everybody that visits your home. In fact, it's not like you have a lot of random house keys laying around that you give out to everybody that you meet. Why? This is the key to your home. It's the key to your safety. It's where you go to unwind, and you are particular about who gets a key. You are particular about who lives in your residence. In fact, you have asked some people to leave. You have asked some people to get their own keys in their own residence because you value who stays and dwells with you. You are careful about the keys to your residence but the same care should be taken spiritually and with regards to your faith because not every situation or circumstance or person deserves to dwell or take up space in your life I think sometimes we've given out the keys to too many people and to too many conditions Right? We've allowed too many situations and conditions to take up residence when they were just supposed to be visiting. We went to conflict and said, here's the key. We went to our difficult past and said, here's the key. We went to sickness and said, here's the key. We went to other people's opinions and said, here's the key. We went to other people's expectations and said, here's the key. We have have given out too much space and energy and allowed too many things to dwell and take up residence in our lives. But don't forget that God is not just coming into the world, but God wants to come into your life and dwell and take up residence. God wants to be visible in your life, in your hearts, in your relationships. The arrival of God's glory or arrival in the world, then God's visible presence in your lives is not just for a limited time only. God could have said, here's my glory and I'll come during the holidays. God could have said, here's my glory, and during good and great times, you can experience it. But God said, here's my glory. All I want is a set of keys. The same way we gave them out to all those other situations to dwell and take up space. Can you imagine if we gave the space that we gave to other people, if we gave it to God to reside in our lives? Imagine if we gave God a set of keys because God doesn't just want you to experience glory from some faraway place. But God says, I'll come into the world, reveal myself so that you can experience the visible manifestation of my presence and my attributes up close and personal. I don't just want to visit. I want to take up residence. Why don't you pray with me?